everyone to the Clear Tai Chi Mastermind meeting for Friday, March 18th of 2022. And our topic today is, is positioning for Tai Chi fighting applications. And our, uh, our guide on that will be Mark Mashad. This will be his class at the T Clear Tai Chi Family Gathering. Uh, international family gathering that gathering will be from june 2nd through 5th here in maryville tennessee at the or in alcoa tennessee because it'll be at the uh knoxville airport hilton which is right next door to the airport you literally walk down through the inside of the from the airport to the hotel so you don't have to end it it's a one-stop shop in there for everything so you won't have to worry about trying to go anywhere else or renting a car or any of that kind of business. Now, if you're going to come and do some sightseeing in the mountains and all that before or after, yep, bring your, uh, you know, then plan to rent a car or whatever you're going to do to do that. If you're flying, if you're driving, well, you're going to use your own car. Um, the uh, gathering will be, we have a good number of presenters and we have a international push hands champion who will be teaching a class. We've got, um, an acupuncturist that will be teaching a class that has to do with the Twina massage aspects for yourself. We've got um, different kinds of martial classes. We've got uh, a panel uh, for a health discussion about causes and solutions of stress in the way that Tai Chi actually has to do things depending on the kind of stress and what the stress is and what's gonna work for you. And there's different ways to do the Tai Chi for stress. And so we'll be, we'll be uh, doing a panel discussion on that at dinner. There'll be a Friday night banquet dinner, uh, not Friday night, sorry, Saturday night. Um, and then all kinds of other push hands and great activities. Uh, if you have not experienced Tai Chi uh, uh, in more depth and thought you want to do that, this is the event for you. Uh, if you've been, if you're a more seasoned Tai Chi practitioner and want to go where there are more academic and more, um, more deeper education about Tai Chi going on and from folks who really know their craft, um, this is the event for you. So, and if you're a beginner and just going, I really want to get into the deeper world of Tai Chi, this is the event for you. So it's the Clear Tai Chi International Family Gathering, June 2nd through 5th. To sign up, go to the website that is www.taichigathering.com. That's taichigathering.com. This has been a word from our sponsor. Okay. Uh, with us today is Daniel Hill, um, who is in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome. That's all right. Thank you for having me here, teaching Clear Tai Chi all over the West Valley. Welcome. Art Don in the Washington, D.C. area. Hi, everyone. I'm in Greenbelt, Maryland. That is about 12 miles east of Washington, D.C. Welcome. Harry Legg in Verona, New Jersey. Hello, Big Sifu. Thank you. Uh, the school oh, here is New, <laughs> is, uh, is New Jersey Tai Chi. And um, yeah, just a little bit outside of New York City. I also have uh, another instructor here, Paul Shansky, who is in Fairlawn, New Jersey as well. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks. Philip Chan in Columbus, Georgia. Hello, all. Welcome. Ty Talbert, who is currently in Colton, California and surrounding areas, the, middle, the Inland Empire. 
Oh, you're on. You're on mute. Yes, my name. My school's name is Warrior Tai Chi. I teach in Colton and throughout the Inland Empire, right outside of Los Angeles. Welcome, Sheila Bell in Costa Rica. She's going to tell you which parts. Hi, everybody. I'm the owner at Balance Ideal Tai Chi in Guanacaste, Costa Rica, which is the Northern Pacific area here in Tropical Paradise. Welcome. And Jim Kelly coming to you from the Witness Protection Program. <laughs> that looks like a cruise boat behind him. This is a smoke screen. The Boca Raton, Florida. Yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> yeah, well, from Boca Raton, Florida, generally, but uh, today off the uh, northern coast of Cuba. So, <laughs> the technology is great, though. Glad to be able to attend the meeting. Welcome, welcome. And our uh, our arbitrator or or moderator moderator um, for today. host for the day there, uh, Mark Machat in. Uh, Michigan, and he's going to tell you which part. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's Able Tai Chi, and it's for the Midwest Michigan area covering Grand Rapids and Lansing. Welcome. And today's topic is positioning for Tai Chi applications. If you would give us like a synopsis of that class, some, something like layman's terms or just like your, what you would normally tell someone that kind of explains simply what you're kind of getting, what, what this is about, what you're, what you're getting into there. So uh, from my past experience, I've done martial arts for a long time. Uh, no matter what style I did, um, when you get to the application part uh, of, of any style, uh, it takes years and years and years of experience for people to get to where they can properly execute the techniques under pressure. And uh, a lot of times the issue, the, like the, the issue that you can see is positioning. So the idea is we want to use Tai Chi principles, internal principles to diagnose and correct the problem which is an advantage that Tai Chi has over most other martial arts is that uh, when they look at the uh, effect and they try to figure out the cause, because they're looking from the outside, at the outside, they're thinking in a material outside world uh, way. And, and, uh, and so they're not getting to a true cause. And so we, we can go through some examples. The, uh, uh, for the sake of the training, uh, what I did is I'm going to split it into physical and psychological effects, okay, or, or, or causes. And then what we do is we're going to uh, diagnose and correct them using uh, Tai Chi principles. Okay. Yeah, what is an example that you might be able to talk about there that, that would explain what you're talking about? Um. What is something the, commonly that people would see in a fight that would be an, an issue of some kind, but that's very common, and that and then the kind of thing you're talking about that it would address that. Ah, okay. So, uh, um, they get into position to do a straight arm lock takedown. Okay. Okay. And then when they go to take them down, it it they can get them down, but it. it it doesn't work real well, or it's a little, a little funky, or they, or they fail completely. 
So they fail completely. Can't get the person. Just to move it can't, yeah, can't get it. Okay. And uh, and so one one reason for that might be that uh, that they are not relaxing and sinking, and so they're just using arm strength to push instead of using the whole body. Okay. That's just one. There could be like twenty different things. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Okay. Well, take it away. Alrighty. Um, the first question I had, and what I'm doing for the for the uh, seminar is I'll break it up into physical and psychological, and it's probably going to be time wise. I'm guessing that it's going to be one or two techniques, and I'll have time to probably do one physical cause effect, one psychological cause of effect, and then combine them for those one or two techniques, put them together. Okay. And then they can see the before and after effects on whatever the technique is. Cool. Uh, so the first question I had for you guys is uh, uh, with that kind of thought in mind and the example I gave, uh, give one example of a physical error that would affect your positioning and explain the cause of the error based on Tai Chi theory. Um, and so um, the, the, it, and so like, let me give you a physical example. Okay. So if it, actually that was a good one. The one I do with the straight arm bar, that's the example for the physical. Okay. Um, so, so why don't we start with Harry? So that one would be a grapple. Give us one of those that might be for a striking situation. Uh, me. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yes, the physical, physical example would be, um, um, you, the opponent engages you, throws a punch, and you eat the punch and fall down and get knocked out. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. <Didn't> that <laughs> and so, and so, what that is, and, and by the, I got that off the internet. I have watched every video over the last few years on Tai Chi, and I watched all the fights. And a lot of them don't portray Tai Chi very well, but what, but it gives you some good material to work with. And one of the things I noticed is, uh, so they, they eat the punch, they get knocked out. Okay. And yeah. th so one, one physical problem with that is that they are uh, in the wrong starting position at the moment of engagement. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, they've got a, they think they're all defended and they're really in a very poor position to defend themselves. Yes. And also, um, Tai Chi is a style that works the best when you're up close. Yep. You need to be real. If you're close, you got a lot of stuff you can do. There's a lot of options. And so there's a way that's right out of the form that you've gone over that actually, if you do that, they, you trick them into coming to you. There's a way that they, you, they get to you and then you just do the move and you, you got them. You're in versus having to get to them yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, uh, and so uh, what I'm seeing a lot is I'm seeing Tai Chi practitioners who are trying to stand like a, whatever style they're fighting, if it's MMA or Shotokan karate, they mimic the other guy. So they'll hold their hands. They'll start out holding their hands like a boxer, or like a, like a Shotokan guy. And, uh, and then the brain disconnects because that's not helping them with what it is they need to do. They're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, they're not, right they're from not the get like a Tai Chi person already. Correct. Yeah, that's the so you're all right out of the gate, you're wrong. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh Harry? Sure. 
Thanks, Mark. Um, so one of the things that I see most frequently, uh, especially with new students, but even sometimes with ones that have been doing it for a while, is their Zhang Ding. Their central equilibrium is completely wrecked. So, for example, now I know with this podcast we're doing right now, there are people that are watching it, and then there are people that are only listening. So I'm going to explain both ways. For example, um, wild horse tosses mane. Somebody throws a punch, and uh, in working on the application, um, the student will step in, and they'll be completely off kilter. Uh, they'll, they'll be unbalanced. Um, they're Zhang Ding, completely incorrect. And they're wondering why it doesn't work. And I go, okay, freeze, don't move, don't move. And then I'll have the person that threw the punch or, or whatnot step out. And I go, now, look at yourself. <laughs> Feel here. Is that how you're doing it in the form? Uh, and then they go, ooh, yeah, no. I said, right. So let's do it again. Keep your act together. Have that Zhang Ding correct. Have that relaxation correct. It all comes together and then it's going to work a whole lot better. So that's one of the most common uh, issues that I see. And, you know, that's that's an excellent one. Some of the videos I saw when the Tai Chi practitioner got frazzled, they would throw, start throwing wild haymakers and and mm. almost throw themselves on the ground. Yikes. Yeah. Almost to the extreme. Yeah. Uh, Sheila. Yeah, I don't have... Um any exciting sort of martial examples, but I have a real life example in myself, which is that um, I have really big dogs and some of them jump. <laughs> and so uh, since I've started practicing Tai Chi, I've noticed that I'm much more able to avoid them jumping on me and also tame them, so to speak, without them getting abused or hurt or anything. You know, I'm, I'm able to slip to the side and then calm them down and everybody's, everybody's happy, you know? So I think it comes down to perception and just being alert, you know, being aware of what's around me all the time. So they never can sneak up on me. And also I'm just um, lighter on my feet. So I think that's probably around these uh, being spherically centered, not making the double weighted error so that I'm able to uh, sort of predict how they're going and avoid them and, it's just been really good for everybody because it used to be kind of a point of contention. Every time I would come to the house, there would be this encounter. And now they hardly even try because they know they're going to fail. <laughs> so it's been really great to help train my dogs. So it's play fighting with the dogs or, or play or loving actions from the dogs, but it's, it is, has to do with physical body and countering to physical body. So I think it's a great example. Because that same practice, practice done well enough and long enough, somebody's trying to throw a punch and you do that same kind of maneuvering, you know, it won't be the end of it. Just like with the dog, it's normally not the end of it if it's their first time and you've moved out of the way. They're not done trying to jump on you yet, right? Same thing. But yeah, I think it's a great example. Cool. Um, Ty? Kyle, you're on mute. There are two things that I find. One, of course, uh, Harry hit on Zong Ding is probably the most important one. Uh, but the other thing that I'm working on with people who I consider fairly senior is what I call pouring into the move. They're not, their body is not connected and set before they do the move. 
they kind of pour into it, which constantly puts them off balance. Yeah. So you're saying that if the person was standing there, this on a grab or a strike or both? Uh, both. So let's use the, what's the simpler one to convey like an example of what you're talking about? So if they were going to go ahead and do um, while horse tosses the mane, okay. instead of being set and then doing it, they're pouring uh, their body into the move and yep. pouring their body out of the move. And so they don't have a, a steady foundation as they do the move. Yep. Yeah, no, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Mark, would you do me a favor and just repeat the question one more time? Sure. Um, give me one example of a physical error that would affect your positioning in, in fighting or application use and explain the cause of the error based on Tai Chi theory. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. Dan? All right. Uh, I'd say my favorite example, uh, which I have a lot of fun with one of my newer students who's a big time weightlifter and probably outweighs me by no less than 80 pounds, uh, is moving from your center rather than letting your whole body move rather than just using your arm. And that is useful in pretty much any application, uh, even if he and I are doing something like push hands, or even if we are, he throws a punch and it's so easy that I'm not deflecting or moving his punch because like you, Mark, I've been involved in martial arts for a long time and sometimes the applications don't always work, but just having my arms in position and moving from my center and my whole body, I don't necessarily need to think about blocking his punch. I just need to move my body the way Tai Chi would have me move it. And the block just kind of happens automatically. And same thing, if he ends up coming in with more of a push or trying to push me off balance, it's just holding that position and still moving from my frame where even him being a bigger and uh, much more muscular guy, he's not able to push me over. And it's kind of easy to slightly move him off balance uh, without even needing to use Ting or find, you know, where he's got his tension. I just need to make the slightest, most subtle movement and he throws himself off balance. Cool. Cool, thank you. Um, Art? Oh, I, I would say in, uh, well, I guess fighting or push hands, I can, related to push hands easily, um, especially the internal push hands, where one overcompensates to redirect a push or, or let a push go forward, where you, you feel an incoming force and turn at least slightly to have the force go into emptiness, but then maybe turn more than you, you need to or should. And then at that point, you are out of position really to continue a motion to let the person go with the force. Um, so you just take yourself from being in a bad position to you know, not being able to um, re react well to, to the incoming force. You just 
let's say overcompensate the letting go or trying to redirect the force to where you um, put yourself into a, a bad position and then it's sort of an even situation again or you could be even at a disadvantage. I, I, I hope that's clear. Um, so give me a physical example like what you're talking about. Um, well, you're pushing hands with someone, especially as I say, I can relate it to clear internal push hands and you, someone is giving you a, a push that's partly energetic, partly physical, and you just move lightly to get out of the way and let the force go to where the, the incoming force is not going into you, but sort of past you. But then instead of working from that position where you're centered in a position of strength, um, you might, if you continue moving more, you are, you can be sort of out of position, you, your body loses its connection and you aren't in a good sort of physical connected overall aligned position to respond effectively at that point. You've taken yourself from being in good position to um, being out of position yourself. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah, sacrifice the whole thing for the sake of dodging the one attack. Right, right, yeah, just over overcompensate to get out of the way. Yeah. I guess the sort of the term is just Move as much as you need to to affect the the action. Cool. Okay, Doc. Phil. Phil, you're on mute. So I'm not sure how this all fits in, but one of the things that I found. Uh, when I demonstrate or try to teach an application, and it comes up often with uh, horses, wild horses, is that you uh, the error is not to be close enough to your training partner to try to create keep too much distance. And what I find is that I it really works better if I get as close to the person as I can without are getting in each other's way. Um, and I, I see Daniel nodding and it's, it's the same thing in dance. You wanna be as close to your partner as you can without getting in the way of the partner. I like it, yeah. mm -hmm. So there's and, a really uh, to be at and, and then how to get, <laughs> learn and use that distance is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the mistake is just not to get close enough and to, and to try to, you know, if you're not used to, uh, to martial, if you're new to martial arts, you might not be comfortable actually touching. And so there are many techniques that just work better if you do have some contact with different parts of the body. So it's a question of being relaxed and being willing to get close and, to have the understanding that Tai Chi really is is a uh, close quarters uh, system, and it works better when you're close than if you're too far away. 
Cool. Daniel gets it. <laughs> you were reading my mind. Man. Thank you, Phil. Uh, Jim? Um, well, I, I think from, I guess one of the guys is, is a couple of us on this panel that uh, started off in the harder styles and external styles. I, I found a lot of the fighting was, you know, more like force on force. And then I believe it was the last gathering, Sufu gave a, uh, a presentation on just saying yes, the philosophy of Tai Chi, where if somebody, especially a linear fighter, if they, they wanna go straight or they wanna go in a particular direction, it's the Tai Chi principle which is you know, opposite a lot of our natural reaction is to say, yes, okay, you wanna go that way. I'm gonna allow you to go that way. And I'm just gonna you know, circumvent or step around the majority of the force. Uh, like I believe it was Art and maybe Harry had mentioned previously, you, know, you, you just want to not, not step too far or you, you want to remain that, you know, maintain that physical contact, but just be off of that, that line and, you know, allow them to exert the force or allow them to believe that they're completing their movement or their punch or their kick, but, but just to sidestep it enough, or walk around it enough or redirect it enough so that you are still uh, in control or, or, so to speak, you know, playing the strings on the puppet. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's what you were looking for, Mark, or am I off in the right direction? Um, if, if you could come up with like a specific, uh, like for example, if you were to look at a student or for you to watch like an MMA fight on TV, or maybe think back to an experience during your hard style stuff, the hard karate. Mm -hmm. And you look at something that uh, didn't, like you can look at it and go, something's wrong. And in the past, you would have looked at it and you really wouldn't have been able to figure out what the issue was. But, but now with your Tai Chi, um, you can go, oh, that's what that is. For, for example, um, for example, uh, if I see two people fighting, uh, an experienced fighter with years and years of uh, like, like hard karate or boxing experience, they, uh, they seem to be really good at blocking, blocking attacks. An inexperienced person will eat punches a lot. And a lot of times what it is, is the inexperienced person their mind intent is small and there's no, no ting. What they're doing is their, their mind intent will go to a single point where, where there's kind of, they're, 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 they're tunnel visioning onto the opponent. So they're late catching stuff. They're a step behind and getting punched in the face or whatever. The skilled fighter, even external skilled fighters have some sense of this idea of mind intent, even though they don't maybe know that terminology. What they will do mm -hmm. is, they're taught to soft focus on the chest, 
so that they can see the elbow, the uh, the shoulders and the hips move. So if the if the if the front shoulder moves, that's a, that's a jab. It's an early warning system, kind of like. It's kind of a limited form of 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 um, mind intent. And so you can diagnose it using the mind intent. You can go, oh, mind intent, that's the issue. Have them expand their mind intent, reach out with Ting, and they should be able to pick those off. It should like enhance their uh, uh, their effectiveness like almost like immediately. So okay. maybe yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, the you know a very typical uh, fighting stance, like you said, is somebody coming at you with the fists up and, and throwing, you know, throwing punches, throwing jabs or reverse punches. And, and just by, you know, the typical block standing on the same X on the ground and blocking whatever is coming to you, just by stepping offline slightly, not only gives you the ability to block better or take most of the force out of the movement, but it, in a lot of situations, it also allows you to totally, totally bypass the ineffective strike and go right for the counter or go right for your own strike. Because it leaves, you know, when you strike, you, you inevitably leave a, a section of your body open. So, so just by using that simple principle and, and saying, okay, you know, you want to throw that punch, I'm not going to interfere with that. I'm just going to adjust my position slightly to the left, slightly to the right, turn my hip or blade my body a little bit. And then I'm just going to step in and, you know, apply my next movement or, you know, use your, your energy or, you know, what you've expended and give you right back or more. So. Yeah. Return your energy. Yes. Gotcha. Thank you, Jim. Uh, Matt? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's two things I can think of um, that I've been kind of thinking about and I haven't heard anybody say. Ty, you sort of touched on it, I think, on one of them, I think, in your answer. Um, but, but commonly... Um, it's people are standing up too tall and they don't have the experience or the training to like maintain their connections and their ground path uh, that way. And they end up in a double weighted error based on position. Um, and then they just can't kind of bring their stuff to bear. And a lot of times that is something that people are doing like in their form without realizing it. Um, and they're just, they're just up way too high. Um, the, the other thing that people do a lot of times in their form, beginners I'm talking about in their form um, without realizing it, that can really shut down martial effectiveness and like physical application um, and the ability to, to actually do the applications is um, they'll cross their, their center line with one hand, but not the other. And so a lot of beginners will do kind of cloud hands like this windmill in front of them um, or there's other moves like the brush knee. A lot of times they'll cross way over and then kind of back the other way or wild horse. They'll sometimes be over here and then kind of over here. And, um, and there's a, there's a number of moves in the form where it's very common for beginners to cross their own center line with one hand, but not the other. And if you, uh, go to do 
most any martial application from that position, it's going to be very challenging. Um, it really, it really shuts off the energy in, in surprisingly, not just the arm that's, that's committing the error, but in like both arms, it really makes it very hard to engage your physicality from that position. And it's a very simple kind of a physical error that people don't think about a lot. Um, and, and make fairly often as beginners in Tai Chi that can really throw off uh, the, the effectiveness of those applications and the power that you can you know, put to bear behind them. Um, I, I've actually seen what you're talking about in sport karate tournaments. They have a, like a universal guard where they stand sideways to make a smallest target as possible. And then the front arm will hang down, but they will put the hand up to cover. Yep. So they've got that crossing air where if it was if it was full contact or or went to grappling, they'd be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's more of a touch. It's more of a touch. So it doesn't necessarily, you know, they wouldn't be aware of the the error, you know, or the problem. Yep. Right. Cool. Sifu? So a couple things. Uh, the first one is, is that one of the biggest errors that I find that people in Tai Chi make when it comes to fighting, and it's an odd error to me because, but it's, but it's, I have a different perspective, right? That based on the years of doing this, the, uh, and that is, is that they, the people in Tai Chi commonly, when they're threatened or going to be in a fighting situation, even if it's an agreed upon fight, they will stand stationary when the opponent is at 10 feet away from them, eight feet away from them. Right. And the, uh, and stationary where they really are stuck, they're not ready to move. And if the other person is seriously going to come in on them, even though at eight to 10 feet, they might not have to move yet. It's somewhere between six feet and three feet, which is one or two steps, literally for the average person who's coming in on you, who's an adult they're going to have to move and be in motion. Um, especially if the other person is in a bunch of motion. I mean, if you're a stationary target and he's progressing on you with a bunch of speed, it's gonna look like, you know, somebody jumped out in front of a car and they got ran over, right? You're gonna have to be in, and it's, you don't wanna be in motion. A lot of people will wait until they're at that three to six foot mark and closer to the three foot to try to move. And the problem is they're already in motion. So if they're moving in on you at 40 miles an hour, which a human in, sh in shorter spaces doesn't have a problem moving towards 40 miles an hour for that short duration of time, throw a baseball and you're typically looking at the average person's throwing it slightly over 40 miles an hour. And if they're coming in with a hard, fast punch or kick, same idea. The, uh, and if it's somebody that's got a pro level, then you're talking about that, that one punch, that one strike, that one kick. It may be closer to 70, 80, 90 miles an hour. There are people who can throw a baseball and throw it at 100 miles an hour. Well, it's not like the, the ball magically left their hand at 100 miles an hour and then accelerated, right? It left their hand going somewhere towards the speed that it, uh, to, real close to that speed that it gets clocked at. And so if they're coming in, boom, to get you like that, and you're standing there stationary, what happens for most people, and it's very provable, action beats reaction, is that at reach, if he's stationary and I'm already in motion, he's hit before he moves. He's already hit. He doesn't have enough time now to move out of the way. 
because the other action has already occurred at the distance where they can make contact and it's thrown, even at 40 miles an hour, even at 30 miles an hour, it's bang. And you were thought you were going to move after they executed the throwing of the punch. It's too late. They've already landed. As soon as they've thrown it, they've landed it in, the, in less time than it took me to say it. And so, um, and Tai Chi, and then there's this idea that Tai Chi would be stationary like that, which is odd to me. That's the part I was talking about to begin with. Because the form isn't stationary. It moves. It moves slow. And I get that that causes people to think of it as not moving very much. But ideally, for the most part, and by ideally, I mean for most forms, most of the time performed by most people, the form, once it gets into motion, it stays in motion. It might be slow motion because of the way you're practicing or whatever, but it continues to move. And so if you look at two people who are stalking each other that know how to fight, it's not like one of them stands or stationary and the other person is stalking around them and the other person's just standing there. They're both have a, at least a stalking, crawling, moving, positioning action going on, right? And the uh, and so there would be this idea of that you're in motion. Now at the point of execution, where you're actually going to do something to them, whether whatever you're going to land, whatever you're going to throw or grapple or use, ideally you've got base, right? And so you're not trying to move into having a hold of them and move into position. Ideally at the point where you have a hold of them, you are in position, but it's because you were moving to get to that point to get there. You didn't magically somehow just standing there and now they've handed you their arm and you're in the magic arm breaking position and you get to now move for that from where you are. It's that you were moving, they're moving and you basically, these two things come together, the timing being the important thing and the timing involves the motion and the when. When did you move? When did you, when and where and how did you move? And so there's, and there's specific skill sets. The first one is, and the moving push hands is great for this, is to get used to moving in conjunction with a partner who's doing things and you're keeping a relatively same good distance for you, bad distance for them continually. And then from there, you would begin to work on the timing so that when you go to execute something, you didn't end up either stopping while they're still moving. And so now they've moved away from you and you're hitting air or they've moved into you and they've overcrowded your position because you lost that good timing that you had in that motion to begin with. And so it's how you move and keep the right kind or get the right kinds of distances with your timing and then how you execute on that. And then you use your foundation, your, your both your zongding like you guys talked about and your base and your whole body integrity in the motion and the timing in the way so that you can execute properly. And that sounds like, a, and it is a lot to say. It's, I find that people do have a hard time sometimes grasping it in the beginning, but once you've kind of got practice some drills for that and you get that going on, it becomes why on earth would you ever do that any other way? Because every other way you get hit or you're hitting air or something, it just doesn't work very well. Anyways, hopefully that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. Actually, uh, I've seen that in, in other fighters where they don't move and the other guy moves and then it usually goes very badly for them. Oh, yeah. And then I've experienced it personally where 
I, uh, my worst injuries, my worst fight ever was because I wasn't moving. That was probably the main thing was that. So thank you. That was good. Cool. Uh, so next question for you guys is, uh, to give me one example of a psychological error that would affect positioning and explain the, ca the cause of the error based on Tai Chi principles or theories. And so an example of that would be, um, uh, fear, of, fear of injury, fear of being, being uh, hit or punched or kicked or thrown down, fear of the consequences of that. Um, and that's a, uh, the cause of that is actually not being in the moment would be one cause. You're worried about what's gonna happen in two seconds instead of being right now, here and now. And then another one would be, uh, secondary to that would be uh, improper sung. Is gonna be, well, actually that'd be an effect. So they're not yes. in the moment of the cause, improper sung is the effect. Yeah. So, yeah, yes. so, um, so let's uh, start with Harry. All righty. Um, well, so my answer is, is somewhat related to what you've just spoken about. We need to uh, retrain ourselves from our natural responses when there is an attack coming. Uh, one of the things that I like to show new students uh, is what the majority of untrained people will do and even people with some training when an attack comes and if you're watching the podcast you'll can see this if you're listening i'll just make a noise somebody's coming at you and you go yeah and you tense up and, and you're off kilter again and you're you're leaning back and you're going to be swiped off your feet versus proper training someone comes into you and you learn to sink and relax through whatever is happening. Um, and uh, so that, that does not come naturally. That, for most people, that is something that needs to be trained. Um, and it's one of the other things that I'll also use or mention when I begin push hands with people um, is even though we're in a very safe environment uh, at the school and in our training, um, it's still uncomfortable to have somebody come and invade your space. So just the fact of doing our very safe, gentle, clears internal uh, Tai Chi push hands helps you overcome that. And then you step it up another level, another level when people are throwing punches and kicks at you. And can you maintain that relaxation, which is only going to help you keep your posture and everything else that else is involved correct? That, that was excellent. Um, that I used to uh, work with a, uh, a guy that was a professional basketball player in Europe. And he oftentimes would say, he would quote his coach and his coach would say, so shall you practice, so shall you play. Yeah. So, and that's, that's exactly it. He's, he's working that all out in training instead of you know, waiting till you get to the, you know, get to the uh, conflict or the problem. Yeah. That was, thank you. That was good. Yeah, thanks, uh, Sheila. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, Harry's answer there with, you know, the uh, the friendly sparring, you know, within our, our own school. Um, still, 
you find your mind going to places where you worry about your performance and you worry about, you know, uh, maintaining all the structures. There's many things that you can think about, but what you really want is for all of that to sink down into your body and for your body to already know what it's supposed to do. And one of the methods that Sifu Clear recommends is, uh, is when you're finished with your normal shower, turn the tap onto cold and stand in a good, in a good uh, Wu Qi. You know, feel the Shangding and stand under a cold water shower. And I didn't understand until I started to realize that this is maintaining a good structure under a stressor, right? So if you, if you can train yourself under sort of uh, friendly or controllable situations, um, such as taking a cold shower or pushing, pushing hands with friends, then uh, it turns out that when you're in a situation, an unexpected situation with stressors from outside, you're more likely to be able to maintain good structure, which allows you to react calmly and appropriately instead of panicking or feeling you know, sharp fear. So that's, um, I'm not sure if that's quite what you were looking for, but <laughs> that's what came to mind. Uh, that's to answer that's a great strategy. The cold shower thing, that's excellent. That you can do by yourself, creating that external stressor. That's kind of a, a self-challenging thing. That's good. Um, Ty? Your mute's on. Oh, um. I have a lot of different ideas about this and I'm not quite sure if I'm going to be answering your question. Um, when I have one of the main problems I have with training anything that has to do with self-defense is not only the person who is trying the technique, but the person who is actually the aggressor. And so quite often I have to train my um, students to throw a good punch. If they don't throw a good punch, if they don't have sort of, sort of amount of aggression in that punch, even if it's controlled aggression, you don't really get someone who's, you're really getting good training. Or if someone only grabs you in the most weak manner possible because they don't want to hurt you, then the other person is not getting good training. And so I have to have them have a mindset of, yes, show some aggression and go ahead and give your partner good training. The other thing is, is that okay, that aggression can be ramped up. If I'm dealing with my oldest 84-year-old student, I may start with something very mild and then move it up to their level of you know comfort but if somebody will never give her a good grab or something of that nature she will never get good training so i spent a lot of time with and i can't find out the um name in chinese maybe you can help me with this is uke the actual partner in the training mm. as opposed and not just with the person who's trained to learn the technique. You mean like the ukitori? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, what you're talking about is that uh, that kind of uh, that aggressive uh, mindset or energy changes changes everything. Mm -hmm. And and that's another thing I've seen is I've seen people who 
who are really good in a class setting, like, like even like karate and jujitsu and whatever, they get into a real setting and they get the crap kicked out of them because they never experienced that thing where somebody, somebody had this intense hatred and this rage that would just wash over them and they kind of freeze. Absolutely. So the closer you can, and over time, the closer you can ramp that up to that kind of thing occasionally, just to give people that, uh, that experience, uh, that is super helpful. Thank you. Uh, Dan? Could you repeat the question, please? Sure. Uh, give me one example of a psychological error that would affect your positioning and explain the cause of the error based on Tai Chi theory. Hmm. I would have to go with, uh, incorrectly meeting, uh, the aggressor opponent where they are at. Uh, my example for that would be kind of like the example you gave earlier where some fighters or pretend Tai Chi fighters will mimic the fighter in front of them. Uh, it could be due to fear. It could be due to an experience, um, but they're trying to play the other person's game rather than like Sifu Clear taught at the gathering last year, is you can say yes to what they're doing while not necessarily playing their game. Let them play their game uh, and don't stress yourself out to what they are doing. Let them do what they do and you can still do what you do. I'm not sure if that answered your question correctly. Can you, can you elaborate on that line of thinking? Uh, you're, I like what you're saying. Uh, you're going... In the right direction. All right. Uh, someone wants to tackle in at you. Uh, they want to play the ground game. They want to take you to the ground. You don't have, you can let them go to the ground. You can say, yes, you want to go to the ground. I'll let you go to the ground. Doesn't mean I'm going to the ground with you. Doesn't mean I'm playing your game. It just means that I'm not, I'm not meeting you at your game, but I'm still letting you do what you want playing on your level. You want to go to the ground? I'll put you onto the ground. I'll let you move to the ground. You want to be at the level of my knee? You can be at the level of my knee and run into my knee if you want. But that doesn't mean I have to wrestle with you. Doesn't mean I have to take your wrestling stance. It does not mean I need to shoot in on you. It, it's, uh, I would say it's a proper reaction to what they're doing while uh, not playing their game. So does that make sense? So psychologically, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a little bit more here. So psychologically, um, uh, what I'll do is I'll give you a, a different example. Um, and then maybe you can segue off that. So typically what you'll see with um, external like brawler type people is um, like, for example, uh, they push me, I take offense, I push them back. We're pushing each other we're swinging. Yep. Tai Chi, what would be the difference? Would Tai Chi respond that way with that psychological mindset or, or what would you, because you're, you're talking about this mm -hmm. kind of around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I gotcha. You just, um, so for, so for that example, uh, psychologically, if you wanted, hmm, you would be letting the other person influence your, your thoughts, your actions, and 
and your habits, if they were to push at you and you were to follow and respond to them by pushing them back or by striking them back. Uh, so in that sense, you would psychologically be giving away your power. You'd be giving into their desires rather than whatever your end goal is, which is to escape safely, ideally, hopefully. Um, does that help answer it? So I'm not, psychologically, you're not allowing the other person to influence you. You're not allowing the aggressor to influence you. You're not allowing your partner to influence you. You are maintaining your own now state, your own goals, your own uh, set motions, your style, while not being influenced by any outside sources. The uh, psychological problem there, the reason you're having a hard time defining it, it's one I call coherence. And it's that most people in civilized society, they're taught to go along and get along. And so when it comes to the fight, they're still sort of trying to do that. Oh, we're going to throw fists at each other from this distance and they throw their fists up. So that must be the game we're going to play. And they fall into this compliance to that as opposed to going, I'm not doing that. And that it's that it's considered very antisocial in a certain way to not be in that kind of a compliance. And so that's the issue that they're dealing with psychologically, even though most people wouldn't realize that's a psychological issue. Right. And so that if they did so, like a guy shoves me from a Tai Chi standpoint, I kick him in the knee. Right. Because most people that do it and it's shove and shove and shove and shove. And that's what we're doing. But if it's a fighting situation, he shoves me, I come back out of the way, bang, take his, tag his knee, and he's like, oh, my God, he hit me in the knee. Yeah, he tried to shove me. Well, that wasn't fair. <laughs> Fairness is this coherence idea. And it was like, no, the fair, unfair thing was, you're not supposed to be trying to touch me, and certainly not like that. Well, hey, thank you, Sifu. That, that is my point. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Can I pipe in? Yeah. So an, another possibility, and it's also both non-compliance and non-coherence, is if the assailant pushes me, then the way you say yes is, oh, you want me to go that way? And then you just walk out the door. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So a lot of your response to that and your ability to respond to that is circumstantially dependent. You know, if you're kind of in the corner and there isn't no way to do that, then you're probably going for the kick him in the knee. The door's over here off to the side and they're coming at you and you can just walk through the door. Well, then that's, I'm not going to stand here and let you shut me. I'm going to walk out the door. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and what happens though is you get caught up in this coherence idea. And so they're going to stand there and do the shovey thing back and forth. And they think that somehow they're tied into that. And it's a psychological trick on ourselves of sort, because what's happening is the person can't distinguish social behavior differences from anti-social behavior in that way and respond and, and numerous responses to that that kind of behavior they're trying to work yeah. on on norms and it's and it's not a norm you know ideally ideally it's not a norm to be attacked i, I didn't realize that sort of thing existed where right. you would comply with the other fighter that's why so many people do it think about it most people if you throw your fists up what's their first response if you wanted to go up to if we went out somewhere in the mall and we went up to people and said we want to see what you're doing to this and you threw your fists up most people you'll see them start to jack their fists up right away my normal response to that my trained one is i start walking like out of reach 
And I've done that with people that come in, came in to see stuff and they're like, well, stop. I'm like, no, I'm not stopping. You want me to stop so you can tag me. I'm going to make you work for that. I'm not going to stand there. Now, I, I had a, an incident when I was in boot camp where the guy was brought into the Marine Corps to be on the Olympic boxing team. And he let everybody know about how great of a boxer he was. And for some reason, he didn't particularly like me. So the drill instructors let us go into the bathroom to um, sort it out, sort it out. (laughs) He went into the boxing stance and we had these big, heavy steel trash cans. I took the lid off the trash can and knocked them out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I never thought of complying, putting my hands up the box, the guy. Well, and you knew if he's golden gloves and you weren't. Yeah, and you too, and maybe longer reach, whatever. That this would not be a good yeah. exchange. Yeah, he's a, at least a good six inches taller than me. Yeah, so <laughs> so trading f- punches with him is no, not a good idea. Yeah. Absolutely. Compliance. Yeah, a, a good street fighter is aware of coherence, and what they will do is like they go chest to chest, and then what they'll do is they go ah, you know, I'm not going to mess with you or something, and they'll turn like they're going to walk away. And they like go walk and knock him out because the other guy drops his guard. Yeah. Because yeah. he's in compliance. Yeah. Yeah. He or she. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Thank you. Um, Art? Uh, I, w- I would say, and, and I, I'm sure this was alluded to earlier in this discussion, was um, the psychological error would be just um, not, not being in the moment, not having. Um, a sort of not not empty but very open or clear mind um, to deal with things come up because um, it's, it's been mentioned don't play the other person's game so you don't have the mindset of oh react to him coming in on me or, or tense up and fear you'll and again uh, training has been mentioned a lot where you're just trained to um, react to the situation, but not necessarily in what would be termed a, a pure reactive way, but you're trained to react in a, um, a, a very efficient way without sort of preconceptions of what you're going to do um, like that. Just um, again, and it's a, certainly an extremely high level of skill with um, having the ability to be in the moment at, well, frequently, or, or at least in a, uh, a tense situation. But in, in that case, you um, would be ready for what came at you without um, sort of mental or emotional clutter to slow you down. Um, and again, I, I know it's been mentioned, but um, that's what, um, again, comes to, to my mind what I work towards in um, being ready to deal with any sort of um, physical situation, altercation like that. Cool. Thanks, Art. Uh, Phil. So, I would like to just explore this a little bit further 
And fortunately, I have not faced real physical violence very much at all. But I do know that if I were to face it, the thing I would be dealing with would be fear and freezing up. And so for me, the error that I would likely make would be not to say yes to everything. And if I could maintain that saying yes to everything, I would be in a much better position. I would relax. I wouldn't be as afraid of being hurt. I could. I would be more likely to fall back on my training. I would be more likely to uh, to recoup if I had a misstep or if I got tagged. I would be less. I'd be much more likely to be able to come back if I maintained that say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's that would be the psychological lesson that I would want to remember and the psychological error I would like to avoid. And then the on the other side, in the training side, as uh, either Ty or Harry was mentioning, as the Uki, if I'm the aggressor, I have to learn to say yes to everything too. Mm-hmm. And that means to to really come on if I'm going to attack, to put energy into an attack so that my training partner has something to respond to. Uh, question for you. Um, yes. So you said the, the, probable, the probable effect would be fear or anxiety if someone was going to attack you. And yes. so uh, have you had a situation? It doesn't have to be physical. It could be... Uh, an interview, like you're interviewing for a job, maybe, or maybe okay. public speaking, or in, in a, a situation where you had that sense of, uh, you had some anxiety or a little bit of fear. Oh, certainly I've, yeah, I've, I've, yeah, certainly, yeah. Okay. What were the, what were the physiological symptoms that you recognized in yourself? So uh, one of the things you have to know, Mark, is I've been retired for like 20 years. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so you're chilling. So I, 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 haven't, I, haven't had, I haven't had to do a lecture that I didn't want to. And I haven't had any. And I was in the military, so I never had to interview for it. No, I didn't when I was applying. Um, but it's been so long, I don't remember. I, I, I can't answer that okay. question. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> All righty. Um, thank you. Uh, Jim. Get back off of mute here. <laughs> um, well, I was going to, you know, so many of the things that have been mentioned already, um, you know, I, I, I tend to run into a little bit uh, because of my line of work. Uh, one of the things that the good example martially is, you know, when somebody, when my objective or my goal is, you know, to place somebody in handcuffs and get them in the back of a car, that's, you know, one end of the spectrum and, and obviously their, their end of the spectrum is, you know, to walk away or get away. There's a whole dance in the middle there 
that, you know, I find that the Tai Chi philosophy of the, the double weighted error tends to, to, to play into. Um, if, you know, the worst thing to do is to get, to try to impose your will on somebody and it becomes a very physical, you know, physical thing where, you know, if you're able to move back and forth a little bit freely within that, you know, your will and their will and try to negotiate or, or to come back and forth, even with the, you know, the martial end of it to try to take somebody and, 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 you know, put something on their arm or grab them and, and hold an arm even it becomes a little bit too physical rather than, you know, one move one way or getting them slightly off balance or, you know, taking them down to a knee or taking them down off to the floor and then working it from there, uh, working with, you know, that, uh, all of that fair ground in the middle instead of insisting on doing something one way. So I would say, like I, I mentioned, the, the double weighted error and, and not being 100% in on any end of a physical confrontation is a good thing. You want to be able to yield a little bit. You don't want to be too soft that you yield too much. And you want to be able to go back and forth in the middle ground. You want to be soft. You don't want to collapse. The collapse Correct. is where the be. Yeah. So you've you've probably had a few scuffles, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> one or two. Uh-huh. So he's, he's had one or two. Yeah. So sometime in your career, have you had uh, an instance where you were anxious or nervous about the either the uh, the thing that was coming or the thing you weren't sure was coming? You know where the trouble was getting ready to jump off. Yeah, and and it doesn't. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I was just going to ask you that in that in those circumstances, what physiological symptoms did you did you notice? Maybe maybe later in yourself, uh, when when you were nervous or anxious about what was coming. You know what, and and it's funny because I I've done a lot of stuff. You know with with guns and, and, and knife fights and, and all of that. My, my biggest uncomfortable spot has always been fire. I, I don't like, you know, the whole thing about going into burning buildings or, or, or the whole thing about smoke and, and, you know, this, this causes apprehension for me, you know, and, and that um, I think seafood mentioned it before in the very beginning this, you know, being in the moment, you know, you have to come to this, this balance where I guess, you know, my father had said it earliest that I can remember when it's your time to go, you're going to go. And if you, if you get out of the moment and you start thinking about what could happen that could go wrong, or if you get into this, you know, this thing about, who you're going to leave behind and, and what, you know, what everybody else is going to feel, then you miss that, that ability to, to just function at your best level. 
and uh, I guess Ty would be another person to to speak about, you know, uh, experiences. But I, I always found that trying to operate in that moment is the best thing. Afterwards, you get the the whole adrenaline dump, and you <laughs> the knees shake. You know, you 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 sort of sit stand there, and uh, your body goes through detox as the adrenaline leaves, but, but, uh, but in that specific moment that, you know, that just the focus, the hyper-focus tends to come from when all the training slips into place and all the physical ability and, and everything, um, you know, if that's all flowing well, you just go into almost like an autopilot or, or everything around you seems to slow down and makes your, your mission easier. Jim, one of the incidents you've talked about that I think that would freak me out is dealing with someone naked. Yeah. What came to mind when he prefaced that, I just kept thinking, oh, here it comes, that mango tree in the naked guy. Yeah. <laughs> was going to say, the, uh, the Marines have wolves in their latrines? Or? <laughs> everybody, everybody has clothes on that we deal with. And you ask what the fear is, the fear is of contact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were you were wise to get the wrists and make your partner deal with the ankles there. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. But, all right. Uh Matt. May I just say something? Sure. So so Jim, I th I think I think you you mentioned just an a, a for a moment, you just mentioned the whole idea of this this physical confrontation as being a dance, and I think it's a very, very it's a it's a nice image, and it it's something that can it 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 applies to making an arrest. It applies to a, a problem in the boardroom, and it applies to push hands. It applies to a lot of things. I, I think uh, it's a nice way of looking at a lot of conflicts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because some of the best fighters I've known have been the humblest people and some of the, the best CEOs and, and business owners I've met have also been you know, very, very humble, not very egotistical. And I, I think that has a lot to do with uh, different aspects of life. Some of the folks I know that have been married the longest <laughs> have been the, <laughs> the most uh, <laughs> gracious. <laughs> I wanted to underline too what Jim said about training and that's absolutely true um, I had to save a child from choking once and you know I, I was completely on autopilot with my Red Cross training to give him CPR and afterward it was the knees shaking right and that, that detox uh, that time engine but uh, something that I've noticed on a personal level I used to be claustrophobic and since I've deepened my Tai Chi studies, that is no longer the case. So it's a great way, you know, as something that maybe more people can relate to uh, any kind of issue or phobia you have, you may find lessons by learning good structure and staying in the moment. You're here. All righty, Matt, how about you? What do you have for us? Well, um, I think, I mean, I think this has kind of been touched on in certain ways, but the, um, 
a, a psychological hang up or issue that kind of really prevents people from getting the most out of their Tai Chi that I see a lot, especially in beginners, especially in like kind of brand new people in the door before they've really got a feel for things is that um, like the benefit of Tai Chi, there's lots of different benefits that people might want to get out of their Tai Chi. But normally when people come in the door for Tai Chi, it's not just because they want that benefit. They want that benefit a certain way or they want to be able to, to, to get it without stepping outside of their comfort zone somehow, or somehow they think Tai Chi is going to be like a shortcut to that, to that benefit. And it could be that there, there's people that I've met that really started doing Tai Chi because they want it for self-defense and they want to be able to defend themselves, but they don't want to do like traditional martial arts classes or have like hands-on contact or any kind of sparring or anything. And so they want to be able to do this nice, pretty Tai Chi form in their basement every day. And then somehow 20 years later, they'll be able to defend themselves. And that's just not how it works. They're willing to wait 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. If they have to. Yeah. If it means if, it, if, if the difference between I can fight next year, but I'm going to have to do some rugged stuff or mm. 20 years and it's just me practicing this form, I'll do that one. And that's still not how it works. And so, and there's a, there's a lot of misconceptions like that, including for your, for health, for health practices. There's a lot of people who think that um, like that, that I've met people who want to do Tai Chi for weight loss because they think it's going to be like an easier kind of exercise than other things they could do. And in many ways it is, but in, it still taxes you and you will still feel it, especially if you're doing it for those kinds of benefits. And so there's a, there's a tendency for people when they're coming in the door is that they don't just want the benefit. They want to get the benefit a certain way and that they think the Tai Chi is going to get that for them, but it's not really how it works. And so some, uh, you mean the way they're thinking about it? It's not right. Yeah. Works. The way they're thinking about it isn't quite right. Um, and it doesn't quite match up with the reality of the art and the training. And, uh, and that can cause all sorts of problems down the road. A lot of people just end up quitting when they find that out, but a lot of people just don't want to face the reality of it. And so they end up shorting their training or doing things incorrectly or skipping steps or somehow doing things that are just not really appropriate for the, for the training um, more often than not missing parts of the training. And, uh, and then they don't actually end up getting the benefit that they really wanted out of it in the first place. And that is, I think the, at least for, for like beginners, that's the first kind of psychological hurdle that I see a lot of people have to kind of get over is they have to really figure out how it really works. Like what is the reality of Tai Chi? How does it actually get you that benefit? What is involved in the training and just get more realistic about it. Um, and then when people are, when people do that and then, you know, they really want the thing, a lot of times they'll pursue it and that, and they'll end up getting the benefit out of it that they wanted and so much more, but, um, but it is something that can be a roadblock for a lot of people for a long, long time. Yeah. Tai Chi is sort of like a, a, a mirror that's jammed in your face where you get to see all the warts your own warts, the, uh, and, and you look at the, like the foundation of Tai Chi is about exposing and removing defects. And most people don't want to hear about their defects. <laughs> you know, they want to hear about what's, what's great about them. <laughs> and Tai Chi is, is ruthless in re revealing those, those issues. Um, 
So for somebody coming in, how would you address that? Or, or so what's, so what's the cause, I guess, I guess I just kind of took some cause, didn't I? It's like an ego thing. Yeah. Okay. That's well, yeah. the neat thing is there's a, there's a lack of education thing too, unfortunately, is that uh-huh. there, you know, there is this public conception that Tai Chi is the, you know, you do the form and, and then you get the benefits of it and it's you wave your hands in the air and somehow magically you get healthy. And there's this real misconception in the public out there and there's a lack of information about how it works. Um, and so I mean, my approach with my students has really just been to talk to them upfront early and really try to get a good sense of what their motivations are um, and be very honest with them about how Tai Chi can line up with that and certain things that might surprise them uh, about what, you know, what, what I'll have them getting up to in order to get the kind of stuff that they want. Um, and I just try to, to, to communicate as much as possible upfront and get a very good sense of where people are coming from, what their expectations are, what they may have heard about it, you know, why, why they walked in the door in the first place. Um, and then, you know, if you, if you can talk to people enough and you've seen enough of the kind of common misconceptions that people have, and you're aware that that's out there, it's pretty easy normally to figure out where someone's kind of coming from and what you sort of need to tell them to get them on board with what your program is. Um, and then, you know, there's some, there's some people who, what they really want is that follow along form class with the pretty movement and they don't want any of the martial stuff and they don't want to have any clue how it works. They don't want any other education than that. They maybe want, you know, like a social thing or whatever. And in, you know, in that case, a lot of times it's just like, well, there's a, there's a Tai Chi school that really specializes in that for you, or there's a Tai Chi teacher in the area that really specializes in that. And that's probably going to be your better bet because that's really not the focus of our school well dealing with a full-time school like you would be able to put in some classes that are catering to that crowd but also with obviously enough education available um however that however you're doing that um so that they get that there is a lot more there to be had so that when they're ready they can do more yeah cool thank you uh sifu so um, one of those sayings in Tai Chi, uh, from the masters is don't resist and don't insist. And the, uh, the don't resist is probably the one where I like one of my favorite classes to teach really is the, just, you know, uh, say yes, the don't, you know, don't say no, they're trying to punch you. It's, and then people mis- mis- mistake the say yes to he's trying to punch your teeth out. Okay. Let him punch your teeth out. No, not it's not that level of yes. The level of yes is they're punching from here, coming in this direction. I don't want to impede that direction. And by the way, if they hit my face and we're trying to take my teeth out, then that's impeding that direction. So I want to be where I'm not there with anything, but but I gave them nothing that made them stop from moving in that direction that way. They're trying to grab me, same thing, instead of being like, oh, no, and that kind of a thing. It's like, oh, you want to grab this, and then I'm doing it for whatever direction they're trying to go in, in a way that is um, surprisingly more often than not to their detriment, if they're, you know, if it's a fighting thing and like that. But anyways, so the one I'm gonna talk to you about, because other people have talked about the one I was just talking about with the resistance is insistence. You know, don't resist, don't insist. And insistence, a lot of times the psychological issue there is apprehension uh, about like time, if you will, how long is this going to take? Can I end it now? 
Um, if I don't end it now, what's going to happen to me? Um, those kinds of things, right? And can and since I'm right there in position, if I don't reach them, if I don't get to them, if I'm trying to throw my own punch and I don't land that punch really good, maybe they're going to counter punch me or somehow harm me. And so people will overextend and reach um, to and break the, you know, cause a double weighted error and overextend is, is the error at that point um, in order to land that hit. And ideally you would always be where you're not making the double weighted error and you are not insisting to the point of your, to your detriment that if it's right there, then it's right there. And if it's not right there, then you would ideally wouldn't be doing that right now. Uh, by the way, when somebody's trying to insist on me, then the just saying yes becomes really, really easy. If they're reaching and reaching, I'm like, yeah, keep reaching, keep reaching, keep reaching. You know, and it draws them further and further and further into error that then can be capitalized on. Um, anyways, even for Tai Chi folks, I've noticed a lot of them uh, without really putting some time into the training. If it's bring a punch, they'll bring a punch and then I'll be like, you know, and they'll be like, and I'll purposely just move just enough to where they start overextending where they're really out of position, out of alignment. And I'm like, you sure you want your punch to be all the way out there? You know, like that. And then they'll look at their position and I'm going, okay, let me rephrase that a little bit. Where's the Tai Chi happening out here? And they're like, oh, there wasn't any Tai Chi in that. Okay, let's fix that. You know, let's let's get that so that you're not insisting, but that you're in good position for where you would want to be like that, so. Cool, thank you. Yeah, that was that was a pretty good discussion, I thought. And helpful when I'm working on my uh, working on my seminar, getting the final points on it. So, cool. cool. The uh, all right. So remember that the um, Tai Chi Clear Tai Chi International Family Gathering is June second. Uh, is it the third to the fifth? Third, fourth, and fifth, which is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. First first weekend in June in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, you will fly, you would, if you're flying, you would fly to the Knoxville airport. Um, and then right next to the, to that airport is the Hilton. There is a Hilton in Knoxville. So make sure you're saying airport Hilton and book your tickets before the hotel rooms all fill up. Otherwise you'll get to come still, but you might have to drive 60 miles to get to the Hilton there at the airport in Knoxville. Uh, and our Clear Tai Chi International Family Gathering will have uh, Mark here will be teaching on the topic that he just uh, that we talked about for the last hour and you'll get to see and experience some things with that. We'll also be doing a panel on stress and the uh, and how to how Tai Chi addresses stress because it's not just do the form it's depending on what's going on and what you need there are different ways to do the form. And we'll be getting into how you would do that that really lends itself to the thing, to, to, to dealing with that kind of an issue. There'll also be other martial classes and all the folks that you're seeing on here or most, the vast majority of them will be teaching an hour long class at, the, at that weekend. It's gonna be a fun time. We'll also have push hands um, and other kinds of fun activities. <clears throat> the, uh, if you're interested, in signing up now, then the place to do that is www.taichigathering.com. That's taichigathering.com. And we hope to see you there. It's going to, a fun time is going to be had by all. We'll have our banquet on Saturday night. 
Um, and then we'll have uh, demonstrations and whatnot on Friday night. And uh, we've got some great folks here coming in, several guest instructors that have specialties in different things, including an international push hands champion, including a gentleman that a lot of his Tai Chi was learned in New York, Chinatown, um, including uh, an acupuncturist that will be doing some health stuff, specifically using Tai Chi as the modality to do that. So again, clear uh, Tai Chi gathering.com. Um, we hope to see you there. And yeah, and do do uh, check out the page. Um, even if you're not sure if you can come or not, um, you, can, you can sign up for our email list and get updates and uh, about the event as the date approaches. You can uh, share the event to Facebook and Twitter right from that page. You can check out the hotels. And please do that. And please, please do. Please share that. Um, and you can check out like the hotels in the area and other, uh, you know, other event related stuff all right from there. Um, so check it out, taichigathering.com. Thanks, everybody. Great discussion today. Yep. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Thank Mark. Thank you. Good discussion.